Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview for the final time this season. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as per joined by John Gibson. Before we get into the episode, I just want to say and I'm sure John will echo my thoughts that it's been... An absolute pleasure to be with you every single week this season to bring you the look ahead to Newcastle United's fixtures. We've had a lot of fun, even in the dark days, John, of Steve Bruce and Mike yeah. Ashley, and especially over the last six or seven months, it's been a lot of fun. And it's been it's been wonderful. The second uh, part of the season's been a little <laughs> bit more wonderful than the first part. When, to be truthful, it was like being down a coal mine at midnight. It was that black and and dark, but we've come out of it magnificently and. Uh, the sun is shining. It is indeed. And I guess like everyone listening to this, John, we just can't wait to be back for next season. Oh, without a shadow of doubt. Because for since the turn of the year, we've actually looked forward to games, which is so, so unusual over the last 14 years. Go back before Steve Booser, consistency was Mike Ashley. Um, and it's been wonderful. And uh, when you look at how we finished the season, when you look at the points gathered in 2022, when you look at the togetherness of the club and what might happen in the summer to take us further forward, not just with the squad, but the, the training ground, the facilities, the CEO coming in, uh, the director of football eventually arriving uh, after his gardening leave, etc. It's all pluses. And I just hope they are as successful in the transfer market this summer as they were in the main during January, because that was a, a wonderful month in the transfer market. And coupled with what uh, Howe managed to do with the players he already had, the bonding, the getting them on the front foot when they played on the back foot for for the full first half of the season. It was exceptional and it should lead into a, an exceptional season next year, fingers crossed. Mm. And all those things you talk about, we will discuss during the summer because we will endeavour to bring you a weekly mm. episode during the summer. Despite there's no matches going on, there will be plenty to talk about. So all being will. well, you will hear us still as usual. And we'll have loads of episodes of Give Us Corners uh, to come as well. We've got loads planned in. But as it is, John, there is still one final game of this season to Indeed. play and it is against Burnley. That's a way. Um, but before we get on to that, let's talk briefly about Monday night against Arsenal. Yeah. And um, how did that atmosphere affect the game, do you think? I think the whole night was perfect. The atmosphere was incredible. It topped what's gone before, but the atmosphere wasn't new. It was just better. Uh, the war flags have been uh, have transformed the ground for an awful long time now. Uh, but let's get it into perspective. Every single thing on that evening went according to plan. I and said it would. would. I said it would. Yes, uh, but if I also remember, that that's the optimism of youth. And you absolutely did, and you're absolutely right, and there's nobody m more delighted than me in about 50,000 Geordies. Right, listeners. I'm going to record that special bit and just repeat that for the rest of the week. Right. We've now, got it on record. Now record the second bit, <laughs> which is quite simply that first and foremost, Newcastle had to start the way they started. They had to take what the feed from the crowd and start at a very, very high tempo, which they did. And for the first time this season, maintained it without a dip throughout an hour and a half. Um, we, we've had periods of playing well, we've had periods of hanging on after establishing a lead, get just, you know, he walk at the back, etc., etc. Everything here was done to perfection and it produced the first win of the season against the top six side. And that was a very significant uh, point as well because it could we could be accused from outsiders of not flat-track bullies because we were off had to work for it because we were bottom of the pile. 
but if if collecting our points against a certain quality of opposition it's the first time we've actually won against a top six side and won so decisively as well which was terrific mm, that's what Eddie Howe said didn't he, he said well I'm just beating them we've mm. deservedly beaten them obviously in the last couple of episodes John you have come in and you said you know I'm, I'm, I'm being realistic I've got to try yeah. and keep that's me down into a, to a level of, of realism all of us all including of us. me myself Eddie Howe, how difficult of a job has he got to do that within this playing staff, even maybe a board level as well, to say, look, okay, we've, we've beaten Arsenal. Yes. We had a great I, end to the season. Yeah. I think he's very, very good at that. And yeah. I think he is a very, very realistic manager. He, he manages to keep the balance between this togetherness and optimism. We are as good as the team we're going to play on Saturday, whoever that is, apart from the top two. Uh, but at the same time, if we are not at our best, we will get our bum smacked. He is very good at doing that. It helps when you're with the people concerned every day of the week, as he is, because you can keep that level. It's a wonderful balancing act between being totally optimistic and not stupidly reckless or thinking you can showboat because we're good now. Uh, he does that. He's had that with the board. I love an enthusiastic board, by the way. I've had enough of boards that are not enthusiastic or not ambitious. You enjoyed seeing them around the pitch? Uh, and yes, absolutely. They've deserved that. They have played their part. Um, but, but like you were on about Eddie Howe, he had to put a little bit of a tin lid on them early doors because we were in their enthusiasm and their wish to let the Geordie people know that they were ambitious. They talked about how many years to winning the Champions League or the, or the Premier League. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's be careful there. I mean, that is really going over the top. And Eddie just brought that temperature down from boiling point and dropped it a little bit to be more realistic. Do we not want to be realistic and then, wow, when something happens, rather than, well, wow, before it happens and then, why didn't it happen? Let us let us get enthusiastic after it's happened, not beforehand, and then get let down. I'm just wondering from a personal point of view, when yeah. you see the the scenes in the terraces, you know, the flags, and then afterwards and yeah. the, the, the atmosphere... Is there a part of you that misses being on the actual terraces as opposed to in the press box? No, because I, I, I'm, I am in the... I mean, I spend my time probably 50-50 between the press box and upstairs having a, a free dinner with friends. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, in the ground, yeah, enjoying it, etc., etc. No, uh, what I love is seeing my club, because it is my club, it's your club, and it's every Geordie's club, seeing our club, shall I say, um, actually, we, kn we know what the fans are about. These are the greatest fans in the world. Why are they the greatest fans in the world? Because they haven't had the encouragement of Manchester United under Ferguson, of Arsenal under Wenger, of Man City now, of Liverpool now. They haven't had that. And yet they come in 50,000. I mean, there's, there's only about me alive that's seen them win flipping things, and yet the crowd is still there, and there's as... And, as enthusiastic as it was. And for me, war flags have epitomised that. They've taken it to another level, and I'm so grateful for that because the stadium looks different to any other. It looks like a Brazilian stadium when we, we see things happen with all the flags and the enthusiasm. And between war flags and war lads on the pitch, we've got it perfectly right at the moment, and that is great. On... Us and, I mean, the enthusiasm of youth, whether that's yourself, where, you know, we're going to do terrifically against Liverpool and we're going to do terrifically against Manchester City and then we're going to do terrifically against Arsenal. You must get right at some stage. <laughs> I knew um, that was coming. I knew that was coming. So, uh, so that is the enthusiasm of youth, which is magnificent. But... If you've reported for 56 years unbroken, like I have, on Newcastle United, so much of it reporting failure, you, you get a little suspicious that might we be let down, might we be trying to run before we crawl or walk even, and therefore you think, oh, let me see it before I gurgle yeah. at the mouth and, and not 
do that before the event because what if the event doesn't happen it didn't happen against Liverpool yeah. and it didn't happen against Man City so, so let me see Arsenal <laughs> then I'll get enthusiastic to be fair so I did get a few messages about last week's podcast and the feistiness of it and how you sure. were keeping me realistic um, and luckily d- you, you were spot on <laughs> I, and, and I did reply to one uh, DM I got on Twitter which said exactly what you've said I, I said and I think John's been in this game long enough that he can, uh, he, you know, he, he's got a right to be a bit sceptical and a bit cautious, which is exactly As what I you say, just explained we, there. We hadn't beaten a top six side before Arsenal, so you're thinking, is it going to happen? And by the way, if we, if we, and a lot of people have done it, and it's correct, if we say Arsenal bottled it or shouldn't have had so much more about them when when the Champions League was it, etc., etc., that's their problem, not ours. And I wouldn't dwell on that because that takes away from what Newcastle achieved. And Newcastle were absolutely outstanding. And I think outside of the top two would have beaten any side with that performance. It's funny, isn't it? Because there was a lot of anger about Sky taking up most and I talked about Arsenal's failure and in the national press as well, yes, talking yeah, about how Arsenal yeah. have bottled it, so to speak. And what I do find funny is that we're at that stage now, but then when Newcastle fingers crossed, become consistently successful. More often than not, the reports will probably be based on the fact that, oh, they've had a lot of money. They're oh, backed yeah, by this that massive is group. what irritates me, really. So I don't think we're ever going to see it where they just go, do you know what? Fair play, Newcastle were excellent. They've achieved what they've achieved no. out, out of hard work and skill. It's going to go from where we are now, not getting the recognition. It was Arsenal then, bottled it. Yeah. We weren't great. And then when Newcastle do well. We do, oh, they're the richest club in the world. Uh, but hey, we'll settle for that. After 14 years of being downtrodden, we the rest of the country can say mm. what they like. Because we it, will it's an important point, it isn't it? And, and you guys listening to this won't need us to tell you this, but when Newcastle are, a chance to finish in the top 10 if they do indeed beat Burnley from where Eddie Howe took over to where Newcastle were at the turn of the year. Yes, they had all that money to spend in January, but we've said it before, you can have all the money in the world. You've got to buy the right players. And the players you buy for a relegation battle are totally different to the players it wasn't you the, buy the for top 10. The money did not keep Newcastle United no. up. It helped. But the, but the camaraderie between the all the players, the way Eddie Howe moulded the players that had let down Newcastle but stayed and stayed in the team and the new the comers won he put I'm not staggered by what Trippier did I'm not staggered by what Bruno did because if we look at his pedigree with with um, I'm staggered by his goals by the way because he wasn't scoring that everybody but, is but but I'm not staggered by his ability I'm not staggered by Trippier winning La Liga in England in finals and I'm not staggered by Dan Byrne because he's been Gray's monument for Brighton for, for a while I wasn't staggered by that but I was staggered by Shaw cutting out the mistakes I was staggered by where Kraft come from I was staggered by Joe Linton going into midfield and consistently game after game after game after game doing magnificently well they staggered me more and also give Newcastle United some credit money didn't get us Eddie Howe shrewdness got us Eddie Howe taking a risk, seeing, listening to him with his interview, realising that he was a man wanting to go somewhere. We didn't try to go and get Pep or Klopp or a showbiz name and, and might have seen out the time. We got an ambitious manager. So the togetherness wasn't brought about by money. The selection of how wasn't brought about by money. Um, money is not the overriding factor of what's gone right at Newcastle. It helped, but it helps any club. Mm. Um, but it wasn't excessive. We didn't go out and buy showbiz people in January. We bought honest-to-goodness men with big hearts and ability. And you mentioned there the camaraderie, and we saw that oh. on the lap of honour against Arsenal. You know, the, the, the group picture in front of the Gallagher with all the, the, the friends and family on the pitch as well, the little kids running about kicking the ball. And some of those players, John, won't be here at the start of next season. No. And yet they were all smiles, there were hugs from the owners. And indeed, for those players who do leave this summer, they can be proud that they've been part of something. And I just thought that lap of honour summed up exactly what Newcastle United is, that picture 
Newcastle are united. By the way, as well, I don't like the words lap of honour, but in this case, lap of honour was absolutely correct because of the second half. Yeah, decision. definitely. I prefer lap of appreciation. You see sides finish fourth bottom and they go around the pitch after their last home game because they've, they've stayed up. That's a lap of honour. They should be ashamed of themselves. I'm, I don't mind it being called a lack, a, a lap of appreciation. The players appreciate what the fans have done. Yeah. But in Newcastle's case, that was a lap of honour because there was honour in what happened between January and the end of the season and what happened an hour and a half just before they, they took that final bow. So that normally I just associate laps of honour with winning things at Wembley or the um, Premier League title. They are laps of honour. This was the exception. It was one. A very special night, wasn't it, at St. James Park? Mm. And lovely to um, to sign off in that manner for the home campaign. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the greatest thing. And I think five minutes after the kickoff, two things struck me. One is the, the camaraderie amongst them, they were determined to go out on a high at home because it's the last time the fans are going to see us until the start of next season. We've just lost two games on the trot. We don't want it to become three. We want to leave a good taste. They went out from the start. The second thing was they started so powerfully. They started so much on the front foot. They pressed so much. I thought, can they keep doing this for an hour and a half? Or they're going to get the half-time at naught naught, which is what they do, and run out of petrol, which is what they did. They got the half-time naught naught. Um, when it, they should have been well ahead, but they didn't run out of petrol. And let me say, there was so many. A fact, I was going to say there were so many good displays. There wasn't a bad display. Individually, I'm talking about mm. now. There wasn't a bad display. You look at Bruno, who was sensational. Um, you look at the 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 back. You you look everywhere on the pitch you look at Joe Linton who epitomised why he's been voted player of the year in everything he did but I'll tell you what for me if we hadn't had Callum Wilson playing up front we would not have won we might have drawn but we would not have won because he not only occupied two centre-halves we've been told about the other guy occupying two centre-halves Callum Wilson didn't occupy two centre-halves. He terrified them. Mm, he he absolutely terrified them. His movement, uh, his willingness. Um, I mean, if ever he deserved a goal, and I know the first one was taken off him, it wasn't really him, but it looked like him to start with. And other things that... Remember that when the keeper was off his line? and I mean, the way Wilson led his line is the best of Wilson. We mm. haven't seen him that good even when we saw him X number of months ago. That is what I've been banging on about it. And I, probably to boredom and Chris Wood has done brilliant for us in filling in a hole when we were getting the results like the nine game unbeaten run. But that display we saw against Arsenal is a centre-forward The next display. level, isn't it? That is the centre-forward. And that's what I've been trying to say that Chris ever willing, I haven't got a chip on my shoulder about him, he's just limited, which is not his fault, that was a proper centre-forwards display, and if we had not had that, because that gave hope to Bruno, it gave hope to the wide men, it gave hope to everybody else, Hey, we've in the way that Supermac used to, in the way that Shearer used to, you think, get the ball up there and this guy's good, you know we've got a chance with players like that that for me was the difference between Newcastle this week and Newcastle previous weeks. And how was Supermac on Monday? Thrilled a bit. Uh, and Arsenal was his uh, ex-club as well. And he has a lot of affection for them, a lot of time for them because they treat players ever so well. But there was absolutely no doubt. He wanted Arsenal to make the Champions League against Spurs and then us to beat them. They didn't make the Champions League. He still wanted us to beat them. And... He was actually sitting very contented, a little pussycat, because he was watching a centre forward play like a centre forward, which is uh, rather good. He kicks every ball, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Good to see Callum Wilson sorted his tooth out as well, because that looked <laughs> painful. And there's, there's a oh, video of him yes. afterwards when the, the 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 club have gone round the pitch for the for the the lap of appreciation, and he he's fiddling with that tooth. Yeah, think, oh, yeah. Oh, that was really smashed. But cringing. I mean, I used to see it the supermarket because it happened the super. Of course, on his debut, he got of course, uh, he got his teeth smashed out and. And Beardsley had uh, had false teeth in the front. 
I used to say, if you see a handsome centre forward who's got all his teeth, he's, he's not a punching his weight. If you <laughs> see a, a legendary centre forward, he's got false teeth. Is Alan Shearer, so are think, we saying Alan Shearer must have a couple of false teeth then? Well, I'm not certain. I think he must have played in a gum shield because, by <laughs> Jove, he certainly put his head in the um, in the mixer uh, time and time again. But he, he's been more of the exception. I mean, centre forwards run the risk. There wasn't a brave heart in Shearer. Mm. Let's talk about Burnley then. They do play tonight against Aston Villa. Yeah. Um, they are in a bit of bother. Oh, 34 massive, points. Like massive. Yeah. 34 points. They're on the one point behind Leeds, who are in the position above them. They're safe at the moment, Leeds. Now, this is Burnley's game in hand. Oh, match of the day over the weekend. I can't remember who the pundit was. Was it? I think it might have been Jermaine Genius. I apologise if it wasn't. And he said something on the lines is you'd rather be in Burnley's position than Leeds because you've got the chance to, you know, you've got the, the game in hand. I'm not really sure that is is the case. Um, you know, if, I mean, look, even if they lose against Villa tonight, they've still got a chance to get out of it. Because... I mean, the bottom, the bottom line is, Andrew, regardless of what happens at Villa tonight, everything will be riding for them on Sunday's game. If they get three points tonight... They can still be caught. They've got to get a result against Newcastle. If they don't get three points, they can still catch Leeds. But from our point of view, and I'm only bothered from our point of view, I don't mind who goes down as long as it's not us. And it's not going to be us. Um, but there's something is running on the game for Burnley. We can take that for certain. But we were in this position last week when we were talking about Arsenal. I know two yep. different extremes. Arsenal were in need of three points for the Champions League qualification. Burnley in need of three points for survival. And Newcastle made like work of Arsenal. You know, it, it, does does oh. the fact, is there something right now? I don't think that, no, that, that matters no, from I Newcastle's just meant point that of view. From Burnley's point of view, they can't have the mm. flip-flops on. They've got to come out and play against us. I don't think it makes any difference to Newcastle. It's what attitude Newcastle United take into the game and under Eddie Howe, they've taken a very good attitude mm. virtually into every game, even the ones that went pear-shaped, like Man City and Spurs, more or less went pear-shaped in the second half more than the first half. It wasn't attitude, it was that they just felt the bits against um, quality attackers because of uh, if Son and uh, Kane down there and were no City. Um, so, no, I don't think it makes any difference to Newcastle what the situation is with Burnley. They will have something to play for, but Arsenal had something to play for. They'll have more bottle than Arsenal, but they'll have less ability than Arsenal. And um, it's just us going down there, hoping that mentally as well as physically, Monday didn't drain us too much because it was a hugely emotional game. I think it be. If we can go again like we did there... Um, albeit away from home, not at home, with 50,000 with you. But then we will be comfortable and we will be okay. Um, but yes, there will be something in it for Burnley. They'll have something to play for, but so what? Newcastle, man for man, are a much better team in Burnley and they can make that uh, count. Mm, so Newcastle will be taking 2,350 2, fans with him to Turf Moor on Sunday. It's going to be you know, jubilant spirits on the back of this great win against Arsenal. It's a chance to, to sign off the season with a, with a win, to say goodbye to some players for the final time. I think they're going to have a, a really, really enjoyable day on Sunday. I can't see Burnley getting out of the mess there, and I can't see them beating Aston Villa tonight, and I think that will punch them in the gut enough to, to, for them to be totally deflated on Sunday. Um, because I think their fans, even though... To be truthful, Andrew, I'm not even worried no. about them. Uh, I'm just concerned about us. And if we go about it the right way, we've got far too much for them. And I don't worry about us going about it the, the wrong way, not only because of Eddie Howe, although he is unquestionably the main man, but let's give some credit to the individual players. Because if you had a couple of showboaters in there, if you had a couple of indifferent people in there, you suddenly have eight people bursting a gut in, in three not, and, and then you, you can be in trouble. Uh, but, I mean, that was the, without harping on about it, that was the wonderful way they bought in January. They bought good, honest, dedicated people, 
as well as good footballers, they had to have the right attitude. And that is shone through all the way. And one man who's got the right attitude is Matt Target. It will be potentially his last game for Newcastle United, although the yeah. signs are good that he might be back permanently. Yeah. You know, we saw Amana Stavely giving him a hug. We saw him talking to the Newcastle fans TV and Gamuresh pops in at the camera and says he's got to stay, he's got to stay. Um, I hope he does stay. I think he's done more than enough yes, to earn a permanent deal. I hope he stays. Um, he can defend, which is terrific. He is not the greatest attacker in the world, but he's good enough. Uh, once over the halfway line, mm. I mean. Uh, he's a good quality player. Uh, he's a He brings natural balance to the back. He's got a wonderful attitude. Uh, I hope he does stay. He wants to stay. Um, and yes, I would take him. It, it'll be 15 million um, to keep him. Uh, so there's 15 million out the pot. But hey, any good player is going to cost a minimum of that uh, to improve the Newcastle's. Right? And then you've got the added advantage of that if they sign Matt Target, he's already settled, he's already bedded in. So of that course. always helps, doesn't it? Without a shadow of a doubt. He, he's bought in. He knew he knows the Premier League. That was the advantage of getting him because he had to hit the ground running in January. Uh, it would be excellent. I mean, there'll be a couple of players going down there that will want some time on the pitch, not necessarily starting, but they want some time on the pitch. Trippier spent four years there. Wood spent four and a half years there. So I think they would like time on the pitch. Both might not start but they would want time on the pitch because it's Burnley. Uh, and Burnley is part of their background. Mm. Four years to four and a half years is a long time at a, at a club but these in days. Interesting to see the reaction Chris Wood would get. Now, he has got a bit of an injury, but we think he's going to be av at least available I, for selection. Yeah, I think he'd be available for selection. And although I don't think he'll he'll start because Callum Wilson is... He is... won't. If, if Callum Wilson's got any puff in him, he, he, he won't start. And no. neither could he complain about that. But I would love to see the reaction because I think a lot of Burnley fans feel like Chris Wood kind of threw them oh, under he, the bus he, slightly. He could get an upsidaisy when he come on. There's there's no question about that. He'd get a bigger upsidaisy if you come on and scored the goal or put them down, <laughs> put wouldn't them down, he? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you've got you know other players who have got... It's a, it's a big 90 minutes for some or however many minutes they get on the pitch. Now, I felt Sean Longstaff did more than enough against Arsenal to, I mean, we already knew whether the deal is there to be signed. It's just whether he wants to play second fiddle to, yeah. to Gumaresh, Joe Linton. I mean, look, Paqueta's on Tyneside and he seems Willigan to be enjoying Shelby. himself. So there's another one in the summer who might arrive. I don't know, did he see the pictures? of? Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. I Cast United fans going absolutely crazy over that. He's yeah. already getting introduced to the to the many wonderful bridges down on the quayside. Um, but it is a big game for the likes of Jacob Murphy, you feel, because he comes off the bench against Arsenal and he has a chance to, to get that goal and he, he you know I didn't mean, take it he no. could have buried it it was only 1-0 yeah. at the time decent save but he's got a score then you do fear I mean look I, I it's no secret I think he he, he is a good player I, th I hope he does have a future here but if we're talking about upgrading the team then I think this is a big moment for him to, to really show why he deserves to be part of this team going forward it's it's a big moment for quite a few players. Not necess I don't think for one second, one game at the end of the no, season not will all. establish in Eddie Howe's mind. His mind will already be made up. But it helps with the fans. Uh, it helps with the general situation. And with a lot of players, and I'm not thinking of Murphy here because at best he would be a squad player next season, not a starter. But there's some players that will have a very good chance of being here next year, but maybe, but not as automatic starters like they've been in the past, but to sit on the bench. So there's plenty to play for. Almirin, will, will he be looking to be, hopefully to think he could be a starter or will he, will he be a bench player next season? Depends who comes in. There's Murphy, there's the midfield situation, but these guys aren't available. Um, there's Fraser who could well miss the game on Sunday because he, he, he took a tweak when he come on. There's him to come back into the picture. I thought Longstaff did an awful lot better. His position, he's not going to be a starter next season, an automatic starter next season. He, he'll be a bench guy. Is that enough? I thought he did terrific on the dink 
for the second goal Wonderful. that put that put Wilson in and the ball come back off the keeper and Bruno slotted. The dink was like Bruno Gomesh. Oh, you were looking <laughs> so that was Sean, wasn't it? That was Sean Longstaff. It wasn't somebody else. Uh, so it was terrific. The vision was terrific. Wonderful. And there's just I know we're just gonna go back to the Arsenal game, but on that little dink, I I, I wanted to mention this on the um the, the podcast earlier in the week and I didn't get around to it. Big fan of Callum Wilson going down, holding his leg after he gets he gets uh, he jumps over Ramsdale and the ball falls to conversion, puts it in the back of the net, and as soon as it's in the net, he's up celebrating. Big, yes, big fan of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, although I do have trepidation every time he goes down and holds his <laughs> leg because if it's not if he's not kidding, we could be in trouble. Uh, you've got to keep him in cotton wool all summer. Uh, you really blink and have and say no holidays and no jumping off cliffs into double somersaults into the blue Mediterranean. I'm sure I'll be keeping very very sensible. Um, <laughs> you mentioned there you feel Eddie Howell already made his mind up about yeah. certain players. Is for you? Are the likes of Murphy and Almiron on that list? Of do you think stay go? You think you think Eddie Howe's already made his decision on the on those kind of players? I think I think oh, unquestionably he's made his decision. Unquestionably he's made his decision. But a lot of decisions, Andrew, as you would well know, uh, can be he's not a starter next season. But it can't be that the guy's not here because if you're sitting on a contract like Almiron and you want to stay at all costs, you can stay. Because you can just turn down everything that comes. You've also got to have somebody that looks at him and says, I'll pay 20 million. Because if, if they say, I'll pay 5 million, Newcastle are going to say, no. Um, so it's it's okay, unless people are on a free transfer, like Sean Longstaff would be if you didn't give him the contract, you, you can't dictate 100% what's going to happen to them. You can just let them know that it's best for them to leave. And as um, the old England goalkeeper James said, um, Eddie Howe's very, very good at making the nicest sackings that it's all possible. He has his arm around you, gives you a big kiss, and before you know where you are, you're in the unemployment uh, at the the Dole office on the Thursday. And so big decisions will be made. But even if decisions are made for certain players to go, you've got to find them a club, or they've got to find a club, or they could be stubborn and stay. And haven't we, not under how and not under this owners, but haven't we known that in the past? How many players have we had, Andrew, that we can't virtually yeah. name now that spent six years here going out on loan into, into deepest France or somewhere um, and then coming back pre-season for six seasons? We've had a, an awful lot of players we can't get rid of. Let's talk about the, the potential starting lineup then. Dubravka and goal. For Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kieran Trippier. Would you, it, it, it's an interesting one because you know what? I, I think Emil Kraft over the last few weeks, few months Been has terrific. done enough to be a backup to Kieran Trippier going for. I don't think they need to sign another right back this, this, no, they this don't. summer. No, they don't. And they've just can, got to decide whether to keep Manquillo or not. Yeah. I think. So I, I, do you know what? I, I think Kraft might actually start. I it. think I would start with Kraft yeah. and bring Trippier on in the second half if things are going well, just because it's Burnley and to give him a little bit more match time because he only had the the little bit he had at City. He, he didn't get on on Arsenal. Did you see the clip of him on the touchline though? Against yeah, yeah. Arsenal? When he was when he was shouting and yes, absolutely. Love that. Oh, I mean, uh, he's, he's terrific off the field as mm. well as terrific on the field. I think I would start with Kraft. And then centre back pairings interesting. Obviously, Fabian Share went off with a with a head injury. He was spotted playing golf up in Bedlington with a few of the other players, including Kraft, the day after. So he looks like he is all right. But um, would you would you start him alongside Dan Byrne, or would you bring in Jamal Lascelles, who had an excellent cameo? Well, it wasn't a cameo, was it? But it was an excellent no, was appearance against enough. Arsenal. I mean, if if everybody was absolutely fit for the last game, I would play Shaw. As I said, I would start Shaw against Arsenal. Um, if he is a hundred percent, I would go with with Shaw and Byrne and target, and there's your back four. Mm. Lascelles fine if if Shaw can't make it, but if he can, I would go with Shaw. We were talking about it being big games to certain players. Does Jamal Lascelles come into that bracket, or do you think you know his future is at Newcastle United? It's a, it's a big every game's a big game for Lascelles now if he gets on the pitch because he's not the automatic uh, guy that he was. Will he be skipping next season? Because if he stays, he's not going to be automatic first team starter. 
we made signers centre-half as well as have Shaw and Burner. Uh, we could sign well, it's interesting you mentioned that because, of course, James Tarkovsky of Burnley. Now, he is yep. a doubt. He is going to have to be assessed. And, of course, they do, as we mentioned, play Villa tonight. So, if he starts tonight, there's a good chance he'll start on Sunday. Um, tonight is the way he's going to have to be assessed before the lineup against Villa. He's been consistently linked to Newcastle. Yep. He was linked in January before they went after Dan Byrne. He would be on a free transfer. He's one of those you would suspect will be in and around the England squad for the World Cup, to, you know, regardless of where that, where he goes, you would think if Burnley goes go down, he will leave. He is a solid, solid centre back, and it'd be a good chance for Newcastle to get a closer look at him. Of course, they are reportedly in for him once again this summer. Would you would you take him in Newcastle? I might take him about July when I've failed to get a couple of other centre halves performed. Uh, I wouldn't rush for it. He is a good, honest centre-half, but we've got a good, honest centre-half in Dan Byrne. I would like somebody alongside him that's a bit more, not Philip Albert, but you know what mm. I mean, comfortable on the ball, as well as a great defender. Because you imagine um, Kieran Clark is he's going to go in the summer. Oh, he's going. Fernandez, you would imagine, is go. another one. So go. they're going to need cover, but Tarkovsky's not the kind of man, he's not the age where he's going to come in and just sit on the bench, is he? He's going to want to come in and where, you know, whichever well, side he, he joins, of course he'll he want to be playing. Of course he will. Um, and I think that the guy that comes in, whoever he is, and by the way, will be, uh, will have a thousand names, literally, between the Burnley match and the start of next season. We'll have a thousand <laughs> names that <laughs> Newcastle are going to say. You can keep a notebook of them, but I would don't, have a new don't. notebook because it'll be full by the time we get to the transfer window closing. <laughs> we will be... Agents will be queuing up to tell nationals Newcastle are interested in my, in my centre-half, etc., etc., because they want the news out there. And But it's fun. We'll all love that. We'll all go down the pub and discuss whether he should be signed or whether it's, he shouldn't. It's fun when you're not writing it. It's fun. Oh, it, it yes, but you've, <laughs> you've got to yeah, you've got to write it with a little bit of sort of uh, reality, if that's possible. And I'm back onto the reality game, uh, but it, that's difficult because people will tell you that this is um, that's what agents do. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, Lissell, the interesting thing, Andrew, and we're really now talking about what we're going to talk about during the summer, but when the summer comes, a lot... Howe's mind will be made up now on how good or limited every single player he has at Newcastle. Limitations down one side of the paper, the strengths down the other side of the paper. Now, if he's got to get a, a few quid in the transfer market, to bolster the thing with the, the, the money situation, um, fair play and all that. To a certain extent, the decision only comes when somebody comes in and says, I'll give you a dollop of money for Almirin, I'll give you a dollop of money for Lascelles. You then think, well, I would be happy to keep them, but if that's the only way I can get a good amount of money, do I take it so I can improve the team further? And that will be the test. It's not whether Lascelles is put out there openly to be sold or Almiron. It's somebody coming in saying, right, there's X number of million for him. And you go, whoops, it is. I wasn't looking to sell him, but I think it can help me. If I do, I'll sacrifice him to get him. It's going to be an interesting summer, to Absolutely. say the least. On to the midfield, you would imagine with there's no Willick, there's no Shelby, it'd be the same, the same Gamresh, Jolinton and, and Longstaff. What's the alternatives? There's not a lot with mm. with Willick out and Shelby out. And then on to the forward line, as we mentioned, probably Wilson, probably Alan St. Maxman and, and I would say Almiron, although I could see Murphy getting getting a little bit of a well, getting a start, but it'll be yeah. I mean, that's largely going to be the, the starting eleven, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is, without a shadow of doubt. You can't see any changes? The only changes you could see is whether Trippier got involved from the start, and it might be easier from the bench. Whether Wood got involved from the start to bring Wilson on because of his sheer exhaustion, and if he's got a dental appointment on uh, Sunday morning. Uh, but no, under normal circumstances, Trippier would come off the bench. Wood at some stage would come off the bench. Craff uh, will start, and. Uh, Callum Wilson would start and please may Callum Wilson start because uh, 
Just, I love just seeing, a joy to watch. I love seeing centre forwards who are centre forwards. Mm, and play nine. like play like genuine number nines ought to play. And that was a special performance from Callum Wilson. Um now Burnley don't score many goals at all. Their second joint top scorer remains Chris Wood, who of course hasn't been at the club since January. Um they have got Maxwell. Our top scorer is six. I know, I know, I know. But we're talking about <laughs> Burnley's weaknesses here. Maxwell Corney is their top scorer. He is a player that, many, com- many comparisons to Alan St. Maxman, a bit of a flair player, doesn't always produce, but has that moment of magic within mm. him. You can see him going... He's attractive to, to watch. Mm, you can see him going to a, to a, a mid-table, yeah, you are top 10 side yes. this summer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mid-table in the Premier League would be as high as it gets, I think. Mm. He, you know, he's not going to go into a top six Champions League side, but neither is Maxi. Um but but he is the the one dash of of colour in his side that's very workmanlike. And obviously they replaced uh, Chris Wood with Round Reghorst. I think I pronounced that right. Two goals this season. Yeah, I was going to say um, he's about as prolific as Chris has been mm, for us, isn't he? But still, he's, he'll give you know the likes of Dan Byrne and Fabian Chair a bit of a, oh, it'll be, bit of a battle. Yeah, because he's, he's by the way, it's a, it's the land of the giants with him against Byrne, wouldn't it? But you, but you look at that. Burnley squad and you, I mean, to be fair you wonder just how they managed to keep in the Premier League all absolutely. this long absolutely and I absolutely. have to say when you when you watch Mike Jackson and his press conferences and, and you know this is no disrespect meant to him but he just doesn't look confident in his ability to keep them up I, I watched the, the last press conference and I'm just thinking you know he, he might be that that just might be his character he might just be someone mm-hmm. who's very mellow but that doesn't really help, I don't think, in, in a dress. And it might be totally different in, a, in the dressing room. It might be a totally different character, you know, banging the when, doors. When, and... when you're in the bottom three or the bottom six, where you could fall in the bottom three, you look at the manager, don't you? You look at him. Has the American uh, changed enough at Leeds to keep them up? You even look at Frank Lampard and say, hey, you know, it was he a rookie manager? He got the sack at Chelsea and did he get relatively lucky at Derby? I mean, and I'm not suggesting he isn't anything but a good manager, but results determine whether you're good or not. Mm-hmm. In, in any football, goals determine whether centre-forward's a complete centre-forward. Results determine whether a manager's seen as good enough or not good enough. Um, and so this question, and I just think it's absolutely wonderful because I couldn't give a monkeys because none of it affects the future of Newcastle United. I'll just bask in the fact that I remember sitting, and I keep hopping back to the one time, sitting against Cambridge when they tucked us up uh, from the third tier, sitting at home, we'd had a change of manager, we got Trippier, but there was others to come in thinking, Brother, this is still a long, long, long season. And here I am at the end of it, and I'm, I've got a cigar out, and I'm enjoying, and I've got a little chilled white wine, and I'm enjoying life. <laughs> I would say not at the time we're recording, because it is half past <laughs> ten in the morning, but you can imagine John watching the game on Sunday with a, with a nice glass <laughs> of wine. And you mentioned there, John, just how well it's gone for Newcastle United. They can finish in the top ten. Staggering. Uh, staggering because of where they started uh, unbelievable I mean, as as we say we've never had a rise from a bed of nails in the history of football that's why this guy's has the Premier League the year. has the Premier League had to, uh, something at the equivalent I know they had that West Brom uh, no, survival ne- but nothing like this they've never no it's it's history making in football, no no club that hasn't won in the first 14 games. And bear in mind, when we did win against Burnley, the next five games we didn't win again. So we got one win out of about the first 19. None out of the first 14. No side has escaped from that position. And that's why Eddie Howe, for me, is manager of the year. You mentioned it there. He's been nominated alongside yeah. Thomas Frank, who... Um Brentford, one place above Newcastle, they can also finish in the top 10. Yeah. Uh, Guardiola, Jurgen right. Klopp and Patrick Vieira. But out of them, I mean, you know, if Jurgen Klopp doesn't go and win the Premier League with Liverpool, then you can discount him in my view. Patrick Vieira's done a great job, but is it really comparable to what Thomas no. Frank or Eddie Howe have done? Pep Guardiola, yes, you know, City, arguably the best side in the league. and But you expect City to win. And I, I, I do genuinely think 
it's between Eddie Howe and Thomas Frank. And I know we're, we're a Newcastle United podcast and we're big fans of Eddie Howe. But when I look at the job Thomas Frank's done at Brentford, that, that is special as well. And I do think it is between those two for manager of the season. It is special. Uh, for me, if you're going to give it to an outsider, in quotes, which is Frank Vera or Howe, it is Howe. Uh, I know you said if if uh, Klopp doesn't win the Premier League, you take him out. This guy, he'll have won, could have won the League Cup, the FA Cup, the European Cup, and finished second in the league. It is and second in the league by one point. If if they both win the last game, now if he does that, he could be argued to be manager of the century until somebody does all four. Yeah, uh, and that would that would. By the way, when Newcastle United's manager wins the FA Cup, the League Cup, the European Cup, and finishes second, a point behind the Premier League champions, and some little whippersnapper down in deepest Shrewsbury says he shouldn't get manager of the month, you will be up marching down <laughs> with a flamethrower, and, and quite rightly so. I mean, I don't want it to be club because I've gone on record anyway. Klopp is sensational. We should be so lucky. But that has been a work in progress over seasons. This has been a work in progress over weeks. Weeks, not months, from the middle of January to where we are now. It's sensational. And if you want to break the mould where the manager of the year is always either the guy that wins the Premier League title or wins the European Cup, then let's break the mould and let's go... Funny enough, we did break the mould during Ashley's time when Pardew got it when we finished fifth top. Now, if Pardew got it, surely this fella deserves it more than Pardew ever deserved it. Although that was an accidental season, wasn't it? I don't think that Ashley expected that. And the immediate reaction was not, we'll build on it and become a top four club. It was, we don't need to buy anybody in the summer because we're far too good. And I think we bought one. The yeah, little lad. Vera and Anita. Yeah, the little lad. And and we went back to what we always were. Yeah, I mean, we're getting away from the point, but that, no, but that, that, that but summer... I'm that's talking about manager. Yeah. It, it's, it's very much the no, point. No, 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 no. This yeah, fella got 100%. manager of the year. I was just going to say that summer, though, that uh, everything Ashley did, that has to be up there with one of the biggest mistakes. Oh. Not not to push Newcastle on. But, but anyway, does it matter now? No, it doesn't. doesn't matter. It doesn't. But, but it's interesting on the, the, the manager of the year. For me, how is a manager of the year... Klopp could have a huge say in it and probably would be the automatic yon, yon, yon vote. And it would be very difficult if he wins the Champions League and finishes second in the Premier League. Very difficult to argue against it, although, of course, you and I would argue against it because we're biased. Mm, I'm just reading the uh, the rules here. Does the fact that he's won the League Cup and could win the Champions League come into it? Bartley's manager of the season, the... The descriptions only talk about the league form. Well, if you if you if you don't bring things like that into it, the manager of the month, the man that's done the best in that uh, the manager of the year, the man that's done the best in that season. Otherwise, the manager of the year is automatically the Premier League winner every season when mm. we'll not have a competition. Mm. The fans had the chance to vote. Voting closed at six o'clock on Monday, and uh, the votes from the public will be combined with those of a panel of football experts to decide the winner. So. Be very interested to see It'll who's be on that panel. To see the, f- the panel of experts, mm. bearing in mind how much Newcastle are adored uh, by some of the so-called experts. Yes, um, I don't know when the results come out, but of course we'll keep you up to date on ChronicleLive.co.uk. Before I get John's score prediction for the final time this season, or results prediction rather, do remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. It's totally free to do just means with every new episode we upload you will get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to it's very simple to do you'll see the little cross in the top corner just hit that and leave us a rating and review and pass the pod on to your Newcastle United supporting friends and family it just helps us get the audience that we need to continue doing these shows and we really do appreciate your support for the final time this season yep. then John yep how will this end Newcastle will win um it's for me, from my point of view, it's not about Burnley. Yes, they will need to get a result to make certain they stay up or to have any chance of staying up. Um, but it's not about them, it's about us. And if we go about the job the right way, retain our enthusiasm for one more time, 
then we can go out on a high. Man for man, we're a much better side than Burnley. We can kill off their enthusiasm if it's not already killed off by Aston Villa and Newcastle to win. Lovely end, though you can't better the end at home to Arsenal the way it was, everything about it. But a lovely end. The away supporters have packed out the away grounds all season, even the first half of the season when we're dreadful. They deserve special mention as well. We've got war flags, everything up here. The travelling support are so incredibly loyal as well. Let's give them something. Newcastle to win. We looked at the top of the table and uh, we'll have a lovely, lovely summer. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go for a Newcastle win. I think um, they'll enjoy themselves down to turf more. I think Burnley will go down, which is, I know a lot of Newcastle fans probably would have preferred Everton to go down, but I think it's just a stretch too There's far. There's as well, of course. Mm, stretch too far for Burnley and their time in the Premier League will come to an end. But as John said earlier in the show, what does it matter to us? Newcastle are safe. That's the important uh, fact. And it's been, as I said at the start of the show, wonderful to bring these episodes to it's everyone been, listening. It's been terrific. It's like my old days when I used to go to the town more and um, get on the shuggy boats and everything, up, down, up, down, <laughs> up, down, and come off dizzy but elated. And it's just reminded me of all those years ago. I didn't know my memory could go back that far, but it, this season has been like that. May next season not be like that. May just all looking upwards and I haven't got a head for heights normally I suffer from vertigo but I'll stand looking from the top down on the Western Premier League in the next couple of years or so fabulous enjoyed the second half of the season not too worried about what the rest of the country feel about Newcastle United and whether it's deserved or not we know it's deserved more than anything we deserve what is coming our way more than any other club I know because they've never waited so long and they've never waited so long in so many numbers so rest the country can make their own arrangements couldn't have said it better myself we will be back next week with a season review where we'll dive into what happened at the very start what happened in the middle and what happened at the end and as John's alluded to there the second half uh, review of the season might be slightly more positive than the first <laughs> but that is all to come thank you once again for tuning in do remember to head over to chroniclelive.co.uk